Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. But it's my honour to get us ready to engage with the Word this morning. So turn the world upside down. Can you say that with me? Turn the world upside down. And so there's a thought in me that the church exists in the heart of God to turn the world upside down. As far as it engages from the world's perspective, but in reality in the heart of God, it's turning the world right side up. See, we know that we live in a broken world. We know that we live in a broken system that is built out of sin and sickness and death and and brokenness and a separation from the love of God. And as we engage with God and journey with Him, He's called us to turn that system upside down so it's right side up in His Kingdom. God has done this through the pioneering of churches throughout the world. The book of Acts, one of my favourite books in the entire Bible, begins with the story of the very first church birthed in the city of Jerusalem and then proceeds to go on with every church that was planted out of Jerusalem as the church continued to extend throughout the known world. I personally believe that the book of Acts is an unfinished book because God is still working to pioneer and extend His influence throughout the world through His church. I believe we play a part in that today. And the way that God would do it is that He would raise up teams of people to go into areas to pioneer brand new churches. And I have to be honest, this is not like a pioneering where there was a social media drive and a budget to hire sound equipment or engage in anything like that. Instead, they were going into regions where the Gospel, the story, the acknowledgement of Jesus had never, ever, ever been presented before. They were literally going into hostile territory. They were going into places and presenting a message that was so good that those who were engaged in the previous broken system were so stirred up with anger and animosity that often they would rise up to try stop the work of God. So the Kingdom of God is always advanced through animosity and resistance. And the book of Acts captures moments like that. One of my heroes in the faith, the Apostle Paul, who was originally a person who gave his life to capturing Christians and torturing them and setting up murderous situations where he tried to stop the church, had his own encounter with Jesus along the way. And because of that encounter, his world was turned upside down and he became one of the greatest pioneers of church planting to ever exist. And in Acts chapter 17, verse two to six, Paul and a small team have just gone to a city In Macedonia, modern day Northern Greece, a beautiful port city, a coastal oasis, Thessalonica, a place that you would love to hang out. It was a bustling city built on commerce and trade with opportunities everywhere. It's a place where people moved to instead of left from. And Paul goes in with a small team, a very small team, to a place that has never, ever, ever heard about Jesus before. And he begins the work of building and extending the kingdom of God in that region. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 2, As usual, Paul went to the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah, Jesus, to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, 
Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. Yes! Come on, ladies, lead in the way. Verse 5, But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace. They formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house where this beginning work had started. They searched for them, Paul and Silas, to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. It appears to the world that it turns the world upside down. In reality, it's turning the world right side up in the Kingdom of God. And what Paul had done is he had pioneered a brand new work through three weeks of labour, presenting, reasoning, answering questions, engaging with people, praying with people, seeing the power of God move through people's lives. So the Kingdom of God is always advanced through people who take serious the vision to see lives changed and transformed for the glory of God who are willing to put themselves out there and not hold back and engage and do what they're called to do. Where God places you is a calling. And Paul had been placed in Thessalonica for three weeks to reason with them, to engage with them, to pray with them, to believe with them. And out of that, a small group came to a relationship with the living God. It had never, ever happened in that city before. And the response of the locals was immediate and swift. We need to wipe this out by destroying it at the root of the tree. We need to riot. We need to destroy. We need to rail against because we will not have our city turned upside down. And so it drove Paul and Silas and the entire team. They had to flee because had they stayed, they surely would have been murdered publicly. And they fled and what they left behind was the very beginnings of a local church. And you see throughout the rest of the Apostle Paul's writings that he was worried. What have I done? What have I left them to? And he sent one of his team members back to check in because he was concerned that that little church had been wiped out. And as he goes and his team member engages, what he finds is that church had given birth to something much bigger. So big in fact that the story of their faith and their reliance on God had spread throughout the entire region. They became a church of missionaries, sending church members out to villages and cities to pioneer new churches. So they took the original investment from the Apostle Paul. They didn't wait for anything more. They didn't pine after something they didn't have. They took what was in their hands and said, well, God has called us and we can work with it. And so we will advance without waiting for permission. Timothy, Paul's assistant, comes back to him and he is amazed. Paul writes a letter to this church, a church that has now turned the world upside down. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians 2 to verse 7. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labour motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For mine, that's how they turned 
their world upside down. Instead of pulling back, they lent in with work that was produced by their faith, with love, with labour that was motivated by love and with endurance that was inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's any way for any one of us to turn the world we live in today upside down. It's rediscovering what it means to work out of the faith that God has given us, to labour, to labour, to labour in genuine love and affection for people, to live in such a way that we can endure all things because we have a living and lasting hope in Jesus Himself and He will not let us down. If we want to turn the world upside down, which in reality in the Kingdom of God is right side up, it begins by working with work that is produced by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Faith is not a result of the work you do, but it becomes the fuel of your work if you allow it. So the idea of faith isn't just a thing that you simply confess to with your mouth. It's actually an action. It's a, it's a movement of life where you begin to see God work in you and through you no matter where you're placed. That you engage with what you're doing with faith and through faith and in faith. And because of that, God works in and out of you to change and transform situations and circumstances. That God is often waiting on the other side of our, our ability and willingness to engage with Him. And where He's called us. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3.20, Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God is without limit. There's a psalm. Psalm in the Old Testament. The psalms are poems and worship songs. And Psalm 78 verse 41 talks about a difficult thing that has to be overcome. The writer of that psalm is talking about how God's people for a different time throughout their history and walking with Him actually caused a limit to what God wanted to do in their lives. Psalm 78 unpacks the journey of the Hebrews out from Egypt as they headed into the promised land as they were walking through the wilderness. And it makes a profound statement. The writer says that in the wilderness, they tempted and tested God and limited and limited the Holy One of Israel. And I'm mindful, how can you limit an unlimited God? How can you limit the one where the Apostle Paul says, now to Him who is above all and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. How could you limit the one who could do all things, who will not fail you? How could you live a life of limit? And it's talking about a people who had walked through the parting of the Red Sea a people who had been provided manna in the morning and quail at night at God's provision, who had seen water come from a rock when they cried out in thirst and everything after everything after everything they experienced that said that they limited the Holy One of Israel. How do you limit the unlimited God? By not engaging with Him in faith in what He wants to do. By being invited to step out with Him and choosing not to step out, but to stand planted where you are. Because in reality, what happens in faith is you do not stand still, you actually go backwards. 
Because the way of the world will turn you upside down, reversing out of the right side up that God has called you into. So I think faith at its heart is this posture of the heart that says, I will step out and build the bridge as I go. So all you need is the next step. You don't need to have the whole thing built to be able to say, now I'll step out in my faith journey. Just have the next right step. And faith is built along the way. It means engaging faith in our workplace, in our home. It means not accepting the brokenness of the world that wants to come in and destroy our world. You need to grab hold of the truth that you are called to turn the world upside down. And just because the people around you live in their brokenness doesn't mean that you need to endure that for yourself. Faith enables a work in you and out of you where you take situations and circumstances that would cause others to run away. And you press in and say, God, move. You're gonna move. You're gonna move through this. I will not budge. I will not retreat. I will press in and lay hold. Awaken City, we are a Bible-believing, people-appowering, soul-winning, nation-changing church that only exists because the people who call Awaken City home grab hold of that and make that real. We make that real with work that is produced by faith. Standing on the Word of God when we live in a culture that does not honour the Word of God. People empowering when we live in a culture that says only do what builds you up, don't put yourself out there to build others up. We live in a culture that believes that the idea of soul winning, seeing people saved and transformed by the love of Jesus is too off-putting. And we shouldn't go into that space and just let people run in their own lane. But I'm convinced that it takes faith to say there is a way and Jesus is it and He has made it available. And so we need to take hold. We're even called to change our city, our workplaces, our families and extend onto the nations that God has called us into. So the vision is carried by people who work out of the faith that God has given them. They were people who turned the world upside down because their work was produced by faith. Their labour was motivated by love. I think it's significant that the Apostle Paul used that word labour. It doesn't just mean to work something, it means to toil with something through discomfort. To toil with something through discomfort. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul relates this to love. Labour motivated by love. I wonder if Paul is flagging here that if you're going to love people well, you're going to have to work harder at it than other things. And I wonder if in the work that you do at it will sometimes hurt you. And I wonder if he's being honest here and challenging here to say, if you want to turn the world upside down, you need to live out Labour motivated by love. At home, we have a few plants around the house and it's funny how at each home, the chores break down to people and you just do them regularly. I am terrible 
with a green thumb, except for an indoor houseplant named Bob, who I look after uh, whenever I notice him drooping. But we have plants outside and we just, just, just had our first oranges produced. Come on, faith there. And I had nothing to do with it. My beautiful wife, Rhiannon, laboured in love to produce oranges for our family. And I know she laboured in love because when I was sitting down watching the TV, she would be out there in the summer stuffy heat of the night, watering this thing, praying over it and declaring it that it will grow. And I've got to say, this thing was planted four years ago and maybe I gave up hope along the way. But due to her labour motivated by love, this plant finally just started dropping oranges left, right and centre. She has a gift and a grace. And that's what it's like when we come in and engage with each other. They're giving attention to each other. Being willing to water with encouragement, with building up instead of tearing down, produces life each and every time. Imagine if we incorporated that into our families, into our workplaces, here in the house of God. That we labour, we labour, we toil, we work at producing the love of God in ourselves expressed to others. You know, I'm mindful I had a phone call with my best man, the guy who stood next to me when I got married so, so, so long ago. And he lives on the other side of Australia and we had a great phone call. It's one of those relationships that you pick up along the way where you left off. And so you may not speak every day, but you always feel close to each other because the moment you start to talk, it's like you pick up there again as if you're face to face. I haven't seen him in a number of years. But I do remember that when we were living in the same town, we weren't catching up. We weren't talking. We weren't engaging. Life was just too busy. And I remember before Rian and I moved out of our hometown, we had him and his wife over for dinner. And I asked him, I said, I value you. And if you value me, why don't we do life together no matter where we're at? And it takes two to tango. I will intentionally reach out to you. And all I ask, if you value me, will you reach out back? And since that moment, we've maintained a close friendship, even though we have not seen each other. See, in the house of God, we're built up through relationship. But it does take two to tango. It takes this idea of valuing one another enough that if somebody's pursuing a connection with you, pursue back. Or don't wait for somebody to pursue you, pursue somebody. And if you end up in the house of God with one, two, three key relationships, you are rich. Value what you have and labour at it. Forgive. Do not allow offence to enter in. Engage at a level where you believe in them even more than you believe in yourself. Where you look for opportunities to lift them up so that they can run in the lane that God has called them to. See, my grandfather was a bricklayer all his life. He's this wiry, strong man who just all his days from teenagehood to the day he retired would stack and build homes. And as he would put up bricks and you'd see the work that he does and he'd place things with precision and grace. The picture that I get is that the house of God is the same thing. That you and I are like living stones where Jesus, the master builder, places us together. And it's not something to run from. 
See, social media has tricked us into this idea that if I have enough acquaintances, then that counts as friendship. It's a lie that certain, certain social media platforms use the term friend for those, who, those people who are on our feed. That is not friendship. Friendship is enduring with people through thick and thin, through giving to them even when you don't feel like giving, through giving to them even when you don't feel like they value what you give. You're choosing to labour out of love. The Thessalonians turned their world upside down because they laboured in their city in love. They engaged without expecting to receive, but receiving from God Himself. So the key in the kingdom of God, it says in Matthew 10 verse 8, that freely you receive from God, freely give. He has poured out His love on you. Use it as an opportunity to give out. Work produced by faith. Labour motivated by love and endurance inspired by hope. Endurance inspired by hope. You know, if you want to turn the world upside down, it takes a willingness to dig in and not let go. It takes a desire that says, I won't just do the right thing once or I won't just do the thing God is calling me to once. I will do it over and over and over and over again. I wonder if hope is only hope if it endures. I wonder if through enduring and holding on, we actually become people of hope. That others can look at us and say, even though what they went through was dangerous or horrific or tough or broken, they are still standing. And I wonder if that inspires us. I wonder if we need that. I wonder if we need at our core hope that endures, that isn't an idea that flutters in the wind, that is something firm and unshakable. I wonder if at its core, hope is only birthed through enduring. It says in book of Romans chapter 3, Uh, Chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How can you say that? How can you say that? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Verse 6, we're going to come back to verse 6 in a moment. I wonder if hope is only produced by those who endure. That the church in Thessalonica had the opportunity and Paul and his team were driven away after only spending three weeks with them to say, surely they didn't give us enough. They didn't leave a training manual. There's no subscription to a leadership service. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But they took what they had and they made it work. They worked their faith and that produced life. They laboured their love and that produced life. And they endured through hardship, serious, genuine hardship. This is the people who had a church that rioters wanted to destroy. 
And they were not destroyed because they endured in hope. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happened to them, but I can only imagine that their meeting places became places of hecklers. I can only imagine that they were picketed and teased and abused in the streets. I can only imagine the hardship they endured, but they did not stop meeting together and allowing God to change them so they can change their world and turn it upside down. You know, as a kid living in the pre-Netflix era, which did exist, I had this little boxy TV in our back room that my brother and I were allowed to watch cartoons on. The deal was on Saturday morning, the best cartoons would show on Channel 9. And if you happened to sleep in and miss it, you missed it. There was no going back and re-watching. There was no going down and even getting the DVD box set, even when that became a reality. There, there was no taping it onto a USB. There was even no illegal piracy. So you could go on and download it the internet that way. You missed it, you missed it. And there was one show, one show, only one show I could not miss. It was Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> See, Batman is my favourite superhero. 100%. Because this dude, Bruce Wayne, he don't need superpowers. He just needs a bucket of dosh money and some karate skills and he can beat anybody. I love this guy. I love this guy. Not so much Robin. That was a little bit strange. But Batman was cool. And the whole show was about Batman, this character who lived in the shadows, coming out of the shadows to save people and fix problems. And I gotta be honest, most of the Batman movies, I've been one of the first people to line up and watch it throughout time. There's been some weird ones, but most of them are very, very dark. There's been one that's just recently been released and Rihanna and I went for a very rare and occasional date night to go catch it. We were sitting down and watching it. I loved it. But see, I love it simply because Batman's the character. Uh, it doesn't have to be a good movie. If Batman's in it, I like it. But the movie was so dark, so dark. So dark and depressing, if I'm honest, and a little bit of a downer. And whoo, it was heavy. Three hours long. But at the end part of the movie, I'm getting somewhere with this. Batman's defeated all the bad guys. Karate and a bucket of money fixes everything. And right at the end, the people of Gotham are suffering through a disaster. Many of them are getting swept away by floodwaters and people are dying. And this character who has lived in the shadows for the whole movie, who has dignified himself by vengeance and anger and revenge, is there right now, having defeated all the enemies, exposed in the water with all the people of Gotham. And he pulls into his pack that belt that can have anything that he needs to save the situation. He pulls out a flare and he lights it. And that light draws all the people who are being drawn away and lost together. And people start grabbing each other and pulling in. And they follow Batman as he leads them out and up to safe ground. 
And the whole end of the movie is about this character who has lived his life in the shadows, punching people, now spending his time reaching in and saving people out of the rubble in the daylight, standing there, holding children as they're crying. I'd never seen it in a Batman movie before, but the Batman series I watched growing up was all about this, a character who wasn't so filled by hate that he lived on the fringes of the world, but a character so filled by desire to help people that he would enter in and save. And I saw in that movie a moment where I just about stood up and cheered because it reminded me that that is what Jesus has done for us. That what Jesus has done to us is that God in human flesh has come down to a dark and broken world to turn it upside down. And His life has sprung a flare, a light, and He's shining it up and He's asking us, inviting us to come out of the muck and the mire and follow Him into safe ground so He can pull us out of the problems and the situations and circumstances that seek to hold us back and sweep us away and invite us into the new day that He has. How is this made possible? Because of endurance inspired by hope. Hope in, hope in, hope in, hope in what? It's not inspired in my bank account. It's not inspired in the people who do like me or don't like me. It's not inspired by the shoes that I wear. It's inspired in a man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. How do you turn the world upside down? Follow Him out of the darkness into the new day He has. Awaken City, I love my church. I love it because of the people who call Awaken City home. It's not about the building, it's about the people. The people who sacrificially give together, the people who do life with each other, the people who are willing to invite. May we be people who do our work produced by our faith. May we be people who labour at love without expecting anything in return except for the ability to show the love that God has given us. May we be people who endure, inspired by our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to turn the world upside down. So final thought as we get ready to worship and open this section here for prayer before we release those who have joined us online. I wanna give you an invitation. Jesus is calling you out to live a life that turns the world upside down, but it is only made possible through following Him. He is the light in the dark place. There is no other way out. See, every other way is designed on what we can do ourselves. Every other way is designed on our goodness or our perfection or our personal transformation apart from Him. But in Him is an invitation to come out from death to life because of what He has done for you. And here's what He's done. He's taken every inch of sin and death and darkness onto Himself and He carried that onto a cross and allowed Himself the one who formed the world to be nailed to a cross, to suffer publicly and die publicly so that He could pay the price that you or I could never pay for ourselves to make us right with the one true God. And through following Him, we follow His light out of the darkness into a new and living hope.
And it begins with a decision. It begins with a decision. He's lit the light and He said, come follow me. But it's up to us to choose, to get up and say, I will follow. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.